A popular outcast production. Welcome to another episode of the Portable Power Podcast, the podcast that keeps them busy in the bedroom. I'm Kevin Seibert, and with me is... Mark Matters. And Emra Smith. And we're joined by a special guest... Christopher Arnold. That's great. Thanks for coming on the show. Everyone's slapping. Yay. We have the clap. I keep, yep. I keep thinking that our guest is Christopher Guest, which is a totally <laughs> different kettle of fish. <laughs> We're going to have him on the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get things started. Christopher, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. Cool. Are you drinking any beverages? I'm drinking some pretty crappy beer that my friends left this weekend called Rolling Rock. Oh. Oh, we're all Yeah, that's pretty Rolling awful. Rock. Yeah. He brought a bunch. He brought like 20 cans because I invited him over. I haven't seen the guy in years, and he just brought over a bunch of beer without even being asked, <laughs> and he left it. Nice. So I've been trying. I've been trying to get rid of it. Did you wrong him in some way that you like didn't intend to? No, I gave him all my E3 swag. So what oh, the hell? Wow. He should have brought a nice bottle of vodka or something. There you go. There you go. Rolling Rock is like a a a, P- a Pennsylvania staple that got sold to some like Anheuser Busch or something terrible. Yeah, I think so. In Oregon, the staple is PBR. That's what's popular here. Oh. PBR is like at every bar in Sacramento for like two dollars. It it must be a west yeah it's two bucks here too. It must be a west coast thing. Yeah. It's not just a west coast thing. It's all over Pennsylvania too. Well, PBR is a PBR is a, a like the national beer of poor people and hipsters right now. It's true. Oh, must be the hipster thing. Portland's full of hipsters. <laughs> but there's got to be there's got to be like a local beer. Uh, we have Calipuya Brewing Company here, and then we also have two barrels. Uh, two barrel uh, brew, yeah. which they're, they're they're both pretty good, but this beer is free. There <laughs> you go. Yeah, you can't complain about it too much if it's free. So, uh, is there anything that you were playing lately? Uh, I haven't really been playing any games. I'm pretty behind. Sadly enough, I'm not much of a gamer anymore. Ah, uh, you you start making games and you no longer have time to play them, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Emrys, how are you doing tonight? I'm PG Keen. What are you drinking? I'm drinking clear, filtered water. Delicious and refreshing. Mm, just what the <laughs> body needs. Lubricating. When you can't drink beer. Uh, what are you playing that's not for the show? I've been playing Heroes of the Storm. Oh, you have? Yeah. Let's hear about that a little bit. That is Blizzard's latest entry into its sort of surge to take over the casual gaming uh, market and it's a multiplayer online battle arena MOBA game just like League of Legends and Defense of the Ancients Dota it's pretty good it has some quirks that are weird alright I will say this about the game the community does not shit talk you very much while you're playing the game which is startling and bizarre. Yeah. There's the occasional bit of like, oh, why weren't you here? And then they'll like be like, yeah, sorry, or like, 
I was doing something, you know, get a little defensive. But there's none of this, like, you're a faggot, die in a fire. Yeah, so there's none of that, like, horrible, nightmarish vulgarity that you expect from a multiplayer game, which I, I just now realized, and that's pretty great. So it feels pretty good to play the game, you know, even when you lose, especially because matches only take, like, 20 minutes. Oh, gosh, I feel like that's something I could get into, because that was ultimately what turned me off to League of Legends was the community and the fact that you'd get on a you know on a team with a bunch of really awful people and be stuck with them for like 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. It could be that I'm playing in quick play mode, which is sort of super casual mode. Uh and so people don't really have high expectations. That might be why I'm not running into the vulgarity. And when you get into like the more hardcore ranked and like team modes, people probably freak out more. Maybe. But, um, yeah, if you're, like, hardened to League of Legends, um, extremely deep gameplay, uh, you'll find Heroes of the Storm to be pretty shallow. It's refreshing not to have to memorize an entire laundry list of items. Instead, your character gets to choose between four talents. Which um, which makes building your character, customizing your character, much more straightforward. But in in that you lose a lot of the like nuance that you get from a, a more hardcore game like League of Legends. Yeah, I wasn't sure that it was possible to do like an actual MOBA as a casual game. You know, I wouldn't call it completely casual because you you still have to kind of know what you're doing and like understand how the mechanics work. But it's it doesn't have it it doesn't have the huge learning curve that uh, the more the more complex ones do. All right. Well, uh, hey, Mark, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm 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 all right. I'm still coming down from cloud nine over here. Coming coming down from it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to a local uh, comic convention and paid an exorbitant amount of money to meet Billy Piper, and uh, best known for Doctor Who, but also from. Secret Diver Call Girl and Penny Dreadful and stuff. And it was delightful. <laughs> Alright, this might this might just say something about me, but okay. <laughs> my question when I saw your picture with Billy Piper, mm -hmm. I wondered what she smelled like. <laughs> no, I asked Christopher Arnold the same thing about Reggie uh, <laughs> May from Nintendo last year um, when he went to E3. Um... No real smell. No, you know, smell. no real. Wow. You know, we were up close and personal there for a minute, and no, nothing. And if I were a celebrity, I would smell amazing. But I was absolutely starstruck, and she is <laughs> just the nicest person. I'm sure they all are when they're just meeting fans and getting paid to meet fans. But yeah, you know, whatever. Since you're not a celebrity, you just smell like crap. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's true. That's that's really true. <laughs> anyway. So over here, I am drinking uh, Lismore Single Malt 18-Year Speyside Scotch. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I'm, I'm, I, it's, I got it for my birthday, which has been about four months now. So I'm trying to yeah. trying to ration it. That's good scotch, though. Mm -hmm. And uh, what are you playing that isn't for the show? I'm actually playing something that I'm going to review on the show in a few months. So I'm not going to talk about it now. Oh. Um, other than that, Monster Hunter... Four, um, a lot of Super Smash Bros. on Wii U and 3DS, and that's about it right now. I don't, I haven't had a lot of time. I've been working on some 
illustration projects and stuff like that. So Yeah. So now that the blush is off the rose, so to speak, how do you feel about uh, Smash Brothers 3DS? I play it almost every day. Really? Yeah. Because the th- the Wii U version, take I have to take up the whole living room. It's distracting to the whole family. Um, I, I, can, I can sit on the couch, play the 3DS version, and whatever. I mean, I guess I could do that with the Wii U gamepad, but I'm still, I don't know, taking up the machine that plays Netflix for other people or whatever. Do you feel like it holds up compared to the Wii U version? What I have noticed is the AI is weaker. Oh. I, I, can, I can destroy on the 3DS version, and I get destroyed on the Wii U version just playing against the AI. Um, and part of the longevity of this game has been my Amiibo. I have like 12 Amiibo now, and I'm constantly playing against any variety of them, and that keeps me going. And I surprisingly uh, play very little online. I, I'm content to play the AI, I guess. Yeah, the Amiibo were sort of a surprise addition for me. Like, I didn't realize that they were so integrated into the Smash Brothers business. Yeah, and I wasn't really into it at first, but it really has caught on now and for me. And I really enjoy doing it, leveling them up. And you actually kind of learn how to play as those characters by, by seeing how they play. Cool. Yeah. And we're, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit because the, the DLC is keeping it going too. Yeah. But um, Kevin, what's going on over there? What, 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 what do you got to drink? Uh, I'm drinking from Otto's uh, Brewery in State College, Pennsylvania, hmm. Slab Cabin IPA. Sounds good. Yeah, it's um it's fine. It's a solid IPA. It's not um there's nothing really exceptionally noteworthy about it. It's just good. Nice. Okay. Well, let's talk about what you've been playing. Well, I've been replaying games that I've already beaten mostly. Hmm. Um Mega Man X for the Super Nintendo. Nice. Um and what's been taking up most of my time is uh Fire Emblem the Sacred Stones. Oh wow, the Game Boy Advance one, right? Yes. We got well, it. The second Ambassadors. Of the yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I've beaten it before, but you know, I'm just going back to it. We should do that as an our portable pass uh, when the new one comes out or something. Yeah, I'd be I'd be into that. Cool. All right. Well, let's bring this back to Chris. Um, <laughs> Christopher, we reviewed uh, your your previous game, Ping, and Ping 1.5 plus positively on our show. Um, we've had you on as a guest before, and we're grateful to have you back. Can you talk about how Ping has done up till now? I've done a pretty poor job at marketing it, so I'm not getting the sales I want. Mm-hmm. I've gotten the reviews I want. Good. It's been averaging like C's, B's, and that's a pretty good uh, first console game. Yeah. Yeah, just the reception's been pretty good on it. The sales aren't what I want, but that would be at my fault because there's other games that did that are poor in quality but sell more, so it's just a marketing problem for me. Do you mm-hmm. feel like any of the marketing is Nintendo's responsibility or whatever? Nah, nah, it's not their responsibility. Okay. Oh, well, how do you get on the eShop? How do you get featured on one of those little icons on the eShop? They just kind of pick you out. Hmm. I don't. I could probably talk to them, but I'm not. Yeah, I've seen some pretty crappy games get icons in there. I'm like, really, this one? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the the whole process of that. Okay. I, I think most uh, storefronts like that have an algorithm that like picks out. Uh, games that get activity on them, like likes and yeah, you know, reviews and downloads, and it just sort of sorts them by. I'm trying robot. to check with them about the updates release date because uh-huh. I finally got that approved, and that's going to add 
you know, easier me versus posting. You can hit L and R and bring up the prompt to post, like on like Pokemon Rumble. It's so easy now. Oh, cool. And at the end, you'll be able to post a Meverse. You don't have to go on through and load up your whole Meverse application. It will just allow you to post pretty much immediately. It automatically attaches the screenshot for you. Cool. And then it also adds, it adds stamps. I reduce the difficulty. I actually count the stars that you get now, so you don't have to beat every single level to unlock the next world. You gotta like get sixteen stars to get to that next world. That's a good approach. Nice. What have you been up to lately? Lately, I've been dealing with like E3. I had to do a lot of E3 promotional work, and then I've been working on my two other projects that I've going, and then ports. Ports of ping. Yeah, for Steam and Xbox One. Well, can you uh, talk about your new projects? Yeah, the main project I've been working on has been, it's actually called Secret Project, and I've been on purposely referring to it as I'm working on a secret project. My profile says I'm working on a secret project, <laughs> but the title of it is actually Secret Project. Interesting. <laughs> That's neat. It, I was thinking about calling it Secret Project title to be announced and have that be the real release title. <laughs> then, I'm not sure how Nintendo would feel about that or any of the other companies, so I just kind of dropped that. Yeah. But it's it's a cel-shaded first-person shooter. Oh, wow. Which it's, it's 16 players online, five players multi, uh, local multiplayer on the Wii U. And there's not going to be a single-player aspect. It's just a multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. But And one of the biggest sells of it is, is that you get to build your own levels in little cube sections. It's... It's not going to be a cute game. It's very high visual. It's very dynamic. It's just to make it easier to build the levels. We did it in the grid system as opposed to Halo's like very specific object placement that like overcomplicates it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to simplify that so that anyone can build the levels and bring them with them online so that there's always something new when you go online. You're not playing the same levels over and over. They can't memorize and camp on it. That's really neat. That sounds awesome. That actually sounds really promising. One of the things that that, that I hate about um, first-person shooter games is the just the how hard it is to enter the the whole like you know a game. Like you have the people who like memorize the spawning points, like you said, and that that would actually be something that I think I might be able to play just because you don't. It doesn't require quite as much memorization and everything. Yeah, I'm trying to make it a bit more like arcade-ish and a bit more easier to hop in. You know, like Super Smash Bros. can be competitive and it can also be casual. I'm trying right. to make it sort of like that. There'll be items that change the match dynamics or player effects or weaken them. Or it'll kind of balance it out to make it easier for casuals and hardcore people to play. And it'll be fun. You can modify them. Like you can play hardcore matches without those items. Or you can do a casual mode and have all those on. There'll be different modes. I'm trying to make sure it accommodates everyone, and I'm trying to make sure it's a first-person shooter that will appeal to everyone. Because I I know Call of Duty doesn't do very well. Nintendo consoles, they want something a bit more, like... They'd probably love Team Fortress on the Wii U. Something Mm. a bit more fun like that. Yeah. Yeah, Splatoon took off. I saw today it finally... It sold a million units, which is great for a Wii U game. Yeah. Especially a new IP. Right. And we've taken inspiration in the art style from Goichi Suda, you know, like Grasshopper Manufacturer games. Oh, so it looks like Killer7 wow. or something? Yeah, Killer7, Killer's Dead, No More Heroes. We we finally got a cell shader to work. That's why it's taken me an extra day, because I've been applying the cell shader so that we can show off that instead of normal assets that we were going to show. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we've been working on a, cell, a specific cell shader built in Unity 
you know, it's ours. It's not, it's not anything pre-built or anything. Wow. So it's looking really, it's looking really good. That's awesome. I think, um, I think there's a lot of room for a, a less gritty, you know, um, military based game to get a really good audience. Yeah. I've been trying to not, I don't want to compete with other first person shooters. Cause if I try to, I'm not going to win. Oh so I'm yeah. Trying to be trying to do something different so that I don't have to compete. So even if I, I have room for failure. Right. Right. Uh, I like the approach that you're taking with the customizable levels because that yeah. kind of like interactive game is really popular right now, like the Minecrafts and the Terrarias where you pick up blocks. That's what it sounds like. That's what it reminds me of when you describe it as like uh, picking up. It's, have you have you remembered like the older Tony Hawk customization stages and it's like it's yeah. always on the grid? Mm-hmm. It was very easy to place, but it felt like you could do enough with it that you're happy. Oh, oh yeah, I spent many hours the, doing that like, stuff. Yeah, like that. It's like it's it's that easy, but you do have a lot of control over it still. That's oh, that sounds awesome. So your target platform is Wii U. Is there other... Are there other platforms you would want to... It's, it's multi-platform. It's okay. on all of them. Okay. If you're going to have it on PS4, Xbox One. Yeah, if awesome. you're using uh, Unity, you can put it anywhere. That's true. I already talked to Xbox this week about it, too. I was I was seeing how they pick their games to be like showed at E3 and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I talked to people at the after parties to see if there's any way to demo it. So. Awesome. Maybe closer to E3, I can announce some way for it to be demoed and people to get it in people's hands so they can experience it before it's released. I'm hoping to have have it pretty close to done by then. Okay, so we're looking at at least another year until we see a playable version. Yeah, a big reason why I did customizable stages is because that takes a lot of work off of us. We don't have to sit there and make levels. You get to make yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, there you go. We just we just work on the gameplay. Yeah. So that that's the most important it, part. That's sort of brilliant. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like I'm giving you a huge feature, but it's actually a uh, a corner cutting cost too. <laughs> I can tell that you're a father. This is totally a dad move. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. All right. Well, um, you mentioned multiple projects. Is there anything else you were working on that you'd want to talk about, or? Uh, RC Mediacs was gonna drop the ping and blo- drop you crossover, and I decided to, I decided to pick it up myself because there were some ideas that I had for it that I wanted to do. So now I'm doing the ping X, no ping plus X block drop project nice. now, and it's basically block drop you, but in the 3D space, you can rotate the camera around the platform, and then you there's the retro elements from my game, like ping bouncing through the stage, making it harder to fall down correctly. There'll be the enemy shooting at it too. And then, of course, I'll have boss stages because people seem to love that the most on my original game. Yeah. Those remix boss stages. So I'm going to make sure to do something fun for the Block Drop U game. Uh, yeah, this crossover. Awesome. When can we look forward to that? This year. Like, I'm hoping winter. Awesome. That gives me enough time to go with the paperwork done. And I, I, I put too early release date. I didn't realize I'd be stuck in not check for so long. I have a good idea this time now. And this is a pretty simple game to work on. It's not it's something I can do on the side. Cool. And then you also might be seeing games being localized from China and Japan from my company soon. I spent most of my E3 trying to network with indie devs and I came across some Chinese ones that had they had a great game, but their game wasn't localized or anything. Mm-hmm. And I asked them about it and they were looking for people to help localize their games into the United States. And I, I kind of spent most of my E3 hunting down these indie devs that 
seem like they have a good idea about what they're doing, have a good quality prod, uh, product, but don't have the ways and sources to uh, get them published in the consoles and localize them correctly. It will get us some funding that we need, and they'll help get some good games out onto consoles that you know are sorely needed. Sure, yeah. But as I get as I get like final confirmations on them, then I'll announce them. But yeah. we are talk we are talking with some Chinese companies. I think I think one Japanese company and some South Korean ones. That's excellent. You're moving into the role of publisher now, not just developer. That's cool. I need more stuff to I need more stuff to do. I'm feeling kind of bored just working my own stuff. I like working on multiple things. No, that's cool. Fresh perspective. That's why the that. that's why the boss stages were made. I got bored of working on just the ping <laughs> mechanics. Uh-huh. I wanted to do something else, so those boss stages were just to keep me from being bored. Well, um, let's talk about your E3 experience. Like you've 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 talked a little bit about it. Like, I don't know how to even ask. What's it like? <laughs> Last year, I went more as a consumer and I played most of the games and got most of the the swag that they give out. But this year, I spent most of my time networking and talking to developers and. I didn't really get that much uh, swag this time. I didn't really go out of my way to check out all the games I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But it is an amazing experience. Like you'll, it, It's so surreal being able to talk to the developers of big projects. Right. And then they have the after parties there too, but you pretty much run that into like everyone. Wow. Like you'll run into people from Best Setup, City End, people who worked on Doom, Bungie, Infinity Ward. You just kind of run into everyone at the after parties too. And for the... um. For for the games, the games I did get around to trying. I did have a chance to try out most of Nintendo's games. Okay. I had a meeting. I had a meeting with Nintendo, and then afterwards, I was allowed to do it in the VIP area without oh, wow. having to deal with the crowd. So, I spent about a good half an hour with Star Fox. That first level is really long. That's what I've heard. I've heard everyone say that the uh, the levels are longer than they used to be. Oh yeah, much longer. I was a bit surprised, and I actually got stuck in the boss too. So I. It's definitely a star. It's a true Star Fox game. I'm very happy with it. Awesome. Can you feel the platinum influence in it? Yeah, it's very shiny. <laughs> it's very shiny and hyper. Like, okay. What like what they're known for? It's it has that feel to it. Awesome. They know how they know how to do that. And it was an interesting mechanic that they threw in of being able to turn into like this walking little robot thing and being able to shoot too. I, it took me a while to get the hang of it, but. That's a cool new feature, rather than having the big clunky tank from the, uh, I forget what, what other game it was, Assault or something. Well, they've had the tank in a couple games. Well, it felt a bit more smoother, Yeah. as opposed to that. The, the, the controls are much more smoother this time, and I enjoyed it. I also got to try out Yoshi's Woolly World, and that's not an easy game. That's what I've heard. I've heard that, um, similarly to Kirby's Epic Yarn, that it's as hard or as easy as you want to make it. <laughs> it was harder. Really? I tried to stage, or you, I think they showed that in the trailers where they like cover up an area and then you see the shadows of the platforms behind it that you can walk on. Mm-hmm. Well, when they move out of the way, you just fall. They're not there anymore. <laughs> so you got to stay, you got to stay behind that screen. And it was really hard and confusing when I first tried it. And I just died like a billion times on it. I was no good <laughs> at Yoshi's Woolly World. And it does feel like, it does feel like, you know, like Yoshi's Story and uh, Yoshi's Island. It does feel like that. It doesn't feel like, like the bastard child, like Kirby's Epic Yarn. I didn't like Kirby's Epic Yarn. It felt too different and like uh, they removed a lot. Okay. And then besides that, I got to try out Mario Maker. I could have tried out Mario Tennis, but I wasn't interested. Yeah, not really. Mm. <laughs> Mario Maker is coming along very well. I wasn't excited about it last year, but all the things they've added to it now mm-hmm. were pretty fun. Apparently in the demo, all those levels are built by Treehouse members. Oh, wow. They're sadistic. 
Like I could have been potentially playing a level created by Bill Trinan. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean Mario Maker it has so much potential. I think it's such a cool game, but it's I can't get into it on the level that I would need to to justify a full game purchase. Like little I bought the little big planet, played through the single player campaign and then was just kind of like, eh, I'll make a couple levels and I never finished any of them." So I'm afraid the same thing would happen to me with Mario Maker. It's easier to get a hold of other people's levels though it feels like it's not mm. It's not like this huge big downloading process like in Little Big Planet where it takes yeah. a while. This one, this one feels it's easier to share levels and play new levels. So you might not even need to make levels to enjoy. You might be able to play like the weeks, like challenging or popular levels or something, and be entertained. Mm-hmm. From the from the trailers that I saw, Mario Maker looked a lot. The level editor looked a lot more intuitive than Little Big Planets, which I yeah. thought was cool. Yeah, oh, I have a hard time with little big planets. I never made a level on that. It's just too hard for me. I I also I I like that you can choose like which graphical style you want to go with of Mario. Like you can go with anything from one all the way up through like the new Super Mario series. Well, and you can switch it on the fly. Yeah, I I, I mean I don't think I would do that. I think I would just go with like Super Mario World's look. Yeah, the Amiibo edition was a surprise, and it looks like a little fun edition. Yeah, like being able to being the able to tap in your amiibo, yeah, and then add a little link mushroom for like your levels that you're making. That's pretty neat. Or being able to play Wii Fit Trainer that That's looks really weird in the hilarious. game. But I yeah, I thought that was really cool. It was weird seeing that even Link in the cloud like floating up. It was I don't yeah. know. I enjoyed that game. I think I might get it when it comes out. I'm still unclear on whether or not I want to get it. Twenty years ago, I would have gotten it without a question, but. Now, I, I don't know that I have the enthusiasm to like actually get creative with level design. Yeah, well, like he said, though, you could just download a bunch of levels. Yeah. yeah, it seems like they made it easy to get a hold of levels. I would just, when you have a chance to try it, I'd give it a try. Like, I wasn't really sold on it until I played it. You could always Redbox it. Do you have Redbox in Pennsylvania? We do. Uh, I don't know how many Wii U games they have. And it's usually like whatever Call of Duty game is newest. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they don't really carry Wii U games except for like the very like Hello Kitty or the movie tie-ins. <laughs> yeah, mo- yeah, movie tie-ins. Well, um, you can probably get in the E3. I mean, just just like really really sell that your your podcast gets a lot of traffic, and they'll probably let you in as like a with a free pass. It's worth going, definitely. I don't want to lie to anybody. <laughs> you, you don't have, you don't have to lie. I'm, I'm a kidding. little small indie developer. I don't really deserve to be there. No, I, I, you know what, I honestly did consider it, but um, it's just such a hassle right now. Like, I, I have a three-month-old daughter, and just, like, to go away for a weekend, I, I would be crucified. Yeah, and this is, like, a week-long ordeal. That's true. It's, it's not just a weekend. Let's talk a little bit more about E3. Like, what, the, you know, we're a Portable Games podcast, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to cherry-pick here from my notes and talk about the games that I think are most important, because I've got, like, 30 games on my <laughs> yeah. list, but... Um, you know, Nintendo kind of, a lot of people were disappointed with their E3 and I, I, I guess I was disappointed, but I wasn't like enraged like some people are right now. But yeah, I think you have to kind of remember they kind of shot their load a little bit before E3. Like they announced a, a fair amount of games not long before that and like new DLC and stuff like that. Like as far as I know, uh, like Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon was announced and ch- the new Chibi Robo game that looks like Bionic Commando was announced and uh, we got some new Bravely Default info 
which didn't really thrill me other than the fact that there's now a job called Catmaster, so it kind of makes me want to buy the game. <laughs> I don't even know what Catmaster looks like, yeah. but I kind of want to play it now. But the game doesn't come out till next year still, so we'll see if my enthusiasm for mastering cats continues on into the new year. I watched the Treehouse special for that, and they made a big deal out of how one of the new job classes is Wizard. <laughs> Which, like, I I can't even <laughs> pretend to be excited about. Like, oh, you mean what? You mean the class that's in literally every RPG? Right. How is yeah. Wizard different from the other mages? They they assure you that it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, did you see anything else in that direct or in the treehouse that thrilled you about Bravely Second? Um, I mean. I liked that they brought Adia back. Like, they mm-hmm. actually have returning characters, which is unlike Final Fantasy, so... Or, or at least generally unlike Final Fantasy, except when they do, like, 10-2 and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, like, it's cool that they're using the same world and same some of the same characters, but nothing that makes me jump for joy. Like, I would be way more excited about Bravely Second if the last 60 hours that I played of Bravely Default wasn't the exact same as the first 40. Right, right, right. Well, that, I'm assuming they aren't going to do that again, but that remains to be seen. <laughs> it's out in Japan. I could probably just Google search it right now, but I haven't done that. Well, have you guys played with the new Smash Bros. DLC at all? I haven't. Okay, I downloaded it, like, instantly. Chris, are you a Smash Bros. player? You're not really playing much of anything right now, huh? Yeah, I don't have it. Okay. I have it for the 3DS, but I haven't opened it up in a while. Well, I mean, the new additions are okay. Roy, Lucas, uh, but Ryu, I actually really like Ryu, because with Ryu, you can... Not only does can he kind of play, like, a Smash Bros. character, but if you want, he can play, like, a Street Fighter character. You can actually do, like, the fireball motion or the hurricane kick motion, and he'll do those moves. Um, you can actually only do his red fireball if you do the Street Fighter motions to do it. Um, he has two final smashes. He has his own stage with old-school Street Fighter music, which is amazing. It actually s- speeds up when everyone's down to one life, which is super awesome. So I really like Ryu. Uh, even though I didn't think I would. Um, there's a couple new stages, like I said, but the Miiverse stage is hilarious because it just like loads a Miiverse post space on your characters. So you get like made fun of and cursed at by teenagers. It's kind of <laughs> like playing a Call of Duty game online. Um, <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. Um, and they they hinted at there would be more fu- there are more updates in the future with more stages, a tournament mode, and finally what I've been asking for for a long time is uh, the YouTube upload that they had for Mario Kart 8, but sadly we don't have that yet. Also, let's see, what else came out around E3? Like, Fallout Shelter. Did either of any of you get Fallout Shelter? I didn't. All of our friends on the Popular Outcast Network are talking about it. Yeah, I don't have an iPhone, but I really wanted it. It's um, coming out soon for Android. Yeah. They did announce that. I only have an Android, too. This game has surpassed Candy Crush as the top-grossing App Store game. Wow. Um, and I don't really know how. I didn't get far enough to see if there was, like, microtransactions or anything. It's a free game. Yeah, there are there are microtransactions. You buy something called lunchboxes, which have cards okay. in them. And I guess the cards oh. are, like, super, super exciting. Huh. 
I didn't get that far. Like I was kind of excited to play it to begin with. And then like, you know, like I said, a bunch of our friends from the popular art cast started playing it and posting about it. And I was like, Oh great. Everyone's really loving it. But I played a little bit. I'm like, okay, it's tiny tower. I get it. Da, 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 da. It's got a good sense of humor though, but I just kind of haven't had a lot of time to play. So, but uh, Bethesda also announced that they're doing a card game because everybody wants a piece of that Hearthstone money. So right. I look forward to an Elder Scrolls card game sometime this year, but so far it's only slated for iPad and PC. So mm. I have no idea if we're going to see it on other platforms. And um, of course there's going to be another Star Wars card game to compete with that, but there's like 20 Star Wars card games on the App Store right. now, so I think it's just white noise. Uh, people are really cynical about um, the Elder Scrolls card game being like a really cynical cash grab, but honestly, like I think there's a lot of room to improve on Hearthstone's basic mechanics. Like if you can, if you can put the level of polish that they do into the game and uh, make it welcoming for people to pick up and play like Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of room to surpass hearthstone because really the basic mechanics in hearthstone are pretty like they're pretty shallow a lot of that game revolves around uh playing around predictable combos and managing the random outcomes of events and like if you just if you can just like make your game accessible with a good pay to play, like uh, a good purchase model, like I think I think you could take on Hearthstone in a heartbeat. Well, if anyone can do it, it'll be Bethesda. Yeah, I think so. There are there are other really good like CCGs. They just don't have they don't the have marketing. Well, the thing that Hearthstone does really good is it simplifies a lot of its like collection process. So instead of having to open like endless packs and sorting through a huge collection and like trading them around, like you you get a ton of free cards, you get a lot of really strong cards, and you're introduced to the game in a way that makes you like want to get a lot of packs. Whereas other CCGs that I've played have been really daunting in terms of like how you try to collect cards. Like they have multiple packs and you can buy like 20 packs and then you get some that are special and like it gets confusing but hearthstone is just like do you want packs do you want cards okay buy packs they cost a dollar like for three dollars actually but like just buy more packs just buy as many as you can and eventually you'll get all the cards there's not there's no way to like there's no nothing more deeper than that well i want to talk a little bit uh about there's a lot of Nintendo stuff. Actually, there's a, a good, another good year of 3DS stuff coming out, I, I, my opinion. Um, we'll get into why it's not the popular opinion. They spent the whole E3 just focused on Wii U. Like, when I thought they were clearing out all the 3DS titles and their directs prior, I thought there was going to be something big for the Wii U, and they really underwhelmed me. Yeah, there's with Zelda being delayed... It's like, here's Mario Maker, Star Fox, and then a bunch of little games that like some people are going to be super excited about, but the masses are not going to give a damn. Yeah, I was hoping for at least even a, like a Zelda trailer. That would have made me happy enough. <laughs> right, just uh, here's something to hold you over since we're not going to... Or again, it's gonna, it's delayed a whole other year. So. I don't know, I was really underwhelmed. I liked, I liked it there last year. I mean, they ha- it was mostly just Smash Bros, but... Yeah. 
th their Smash Bros. setup was pretty awesome, and they had the Smash Tournament too. Right. Or Invitational. Well, the 3DS has got some good stuff coming. Like, for instance, this fall, we're I mean, we're getting two Zelda games. Zelda's pretty much a yearly franchise now, which I don't know how I feel about this. Um, this is like almost a crass Assassin's Creed status, but um, we're getting Zelda Triforce Heroes, which I thought Kevin would instantly be interested in. You know, I, I don't view that as... Like, I've, I've played Four Sword Adventures and... Uh, the four swords that came out uh, around the time of the launch of the 3DS. Mm -hmm. And I don't consider those to be traditional style Zelda games. Like, sure. first of all, there's not a big overworld for you to explore. You don't get any permanent weapons or permanent upgrades or any of that sort of thing. Um, I find it to be more of a fun... Uh, almost party game sort of thing. Th at least party game is how I experienced Four Sword Adventures. Like, you know, a, a bunch of friends and I would just hang out at one of our houses with the GameCube and we'd pass the Game Boy Advances around because there were too many of us to, to play it. So I'm excited for Triforce Heroes, although I really don't understand how this game is going to play with online without voice chat. And I understand that Nintendo is like, oh, people were getting bossy. But, like, if you think people aren't going to find ways to abuse each other with, like, those special emoticons or whatever, then right. they're being very naive. I don't think it's naivety. I think it's, like, deliberately limiting people to only being dicks one way. Like, Hearthstone <laughs> uses the same model, and they know, like, people are going to be dicks, so you have to give them something to be dicks with and then make it as limited as possible. There's a great, there's a great like Penny Arcade uh, comic where Gabe is like cursing up a storm about losing uh, Mario Kart. And then mm -hmm. in the next panel, it's like, what you're actually saying. And it's like, good job, good job. Oh, well yeah, played, yeah. you got me, you got me. <laughs> I'm like waving an arm in the air. I definitely did that myself in Mario Kart 8. <laughs> yeah, like, this is not a new thing for Nintendo to do, and I actually think it's a really good policy. Yeah, but in a cooperative game that requires problem solving, for se like, if you play online with somebody random that you don't know, which I, I assume you can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, if you're playing with somebody who doesn't know what they're supposed to be doing, then you're just fucked. By the way... There is a new term for people. I just wanna, I just wanna spread the word. There's a new term for people on your team who are not pulling their weight. It's potato. I love it. You get a potato on your team. <laughs> well, the thing I'm most excited about in Triforce Heroes is the outfits system. Yeah, me too. Because it's a pretty cool new way to, to do all the different abilities and stuff like that. Like there were definitely. <laughs> Plenty of times I saw Link wearing Zelda's dress in this game, <laughs> and I'm all about that. Another thing, though, I like about Triforce Heroes is it has download play. So um, you get three your friends together, and only one of you needs the cart to play it, and you can all three play the game together. Well, that's a um, good thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I like obviously that. you can't do it online, but local multiplayer, that's really cool. I, I haven't seen a game, and I'm sure they've done it, but I haven't really seen a game do it like that since like Mario Kart or something. Yeah. That used to be a common feature in in games. Like I think one of the DS was like mm -hmm. it was a big thing where you could you could play download modes. Right. Well, the other Zelda game we that got announced was announced before E3, but it's Hyrule Warriors Legends. 
um, which is not out till next year, which is kind of weird. They're adding some new stuff. Um, you're getting all the DLC from the Wii U version, which is crazy. It's like it's like forty dollars worth of stuff in a game that's going to be forty dollars. So you're getting like a hundred dollars worth of stuff in a game that's going to be forty dollars. Um, but they're also adding new Wind Waker content. Um, they've they've announced Tetra and um, the King of the Red Lions as playable characters, which is hilarious. And um, if you buy the game, you can transfer those characters to the Wii U version. Which is awesome, but I don't see myself spending another forty dollars on this game to get a little bit of DLC. Kevin, you haven't played Hyrule Warriors. Will you play this one? Uh, it's it seems likely. I, I'm I'm interested enough in it, and mm-hmm. the DLC being included plus the Wind Waker content. Uh, it it has it has it has me intrigued at least. Yeah, I I did notice during the playthroughs that they did live that there's significantly lower enemy count on the screen, which to me is part of the appeal of the Wii U game. It's just like, oh, I'm going to do this attack and I'm going to kill 100 enemies in one attack. (laughs) Um, Whereas in the 3DS version, it's like, okay, I'm going to kill 20 enemies in one attack. I I definitely will not buy it, but I'm going to be really jealous of people who get to play as Tetra. (laughs) Here's the big the big controversy out of E3 was Metroid Prime Federation Force. Like I'm sure everyone by now has heard about this whole shitstorm. Yeah. I didn't even look I didn't even look at the game, but I remember being at the uh, World Championship and they did the whole big reveal. We haven't announced this yet. Yeah. Last ball. And I was <laughs> like I literally just like my face went from happy to just like so sad and i was like so disappointed yeah like blast ball really i i i even saw a picture like me just like you can tell i'm disappointed just the subtitle blast ball question mark i actually laughed because i was like well it's it's like it seems like it's going downhill from here i'm gonna gonna oh so you were at the championships yeah i was that's awesome I watched them. Um, I was actually having a Smash Bros. tournament at my house that night, so I just had like it streaming off to the side, and I would occasionally look over, and at one point I'm like, wait, are they showing a new Metroid game? No, it's some weird soccer game. But they totally tro- they trolled everybody. Did, it was hilarious. I did notice it was like a lot like Metroid. I yeah. noticed that the control scheme was a lot like Metroid, and that was the first thing that stood out to me. Like as they were playing it, I'm like, I feel like I bet you the Metroid dads or something, someone that worked in the DS ones worked on this. Right. It had that same feel going on. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that the six-player Blast Ball is just a side mode in Federation Force. The actual game is a four-player co-op first-person shooter set in the Metroid Prime universe, but Samus Aran, Samus Aran, sorry, herself, is only an NPC. So what are people mad about? Oh, I will tell you in just a moment. <laughs> um <laughs> And the initial reveal was like, oh, this is a Metroid game. Like, it doesn't look like a Metroid game. It's got a weird graphic style. You know, the characters have sort of exaggerated proportions. To me, it looked very like Skylanders-esque, the way the characters were designed. People are mad because they wanted Metroid. They did not want a side game. They did not want a multiplayer game. And they think this game looks like garbage. But I would say, I would argue that watching the trailer, watching the Nintendo Direct where they announced this, and watching the Blast Ball during the Nintendo World Championships, it's very underwhelming. But when I went back and watched the Treehouse Live, when they actually played the game for a good, I don't know, half an hour maybe, I was like, this actually looks really good. Like, it looks like a lot of fun. It's, it's very mission-based, and you're like, okay, here's the mission objective. All four of you 
you know, online or local have to cooperate and complete this objective together. And it looks really cool. People just, they're disappointed and they're in, they feel entitled to a Metroid game. I don't know what it is, but they didn't get it. And so they go on YouTube and they downvote the freaking uh, trailer for this game into oblivion <laughs> has like five or six times the amount of downvotes to up div upvotes. Splatoon had that too. Yeah. Well, uh, Emrys, you brought up a good point on Twitter earlier today. Yeah. Uh, and it was, we went through this. That was a good point. <laughs> we went we went through the same spiel with uh, Metroid Prime back exactly. when they were switching from 2D to 3D. Everyone shit their pants because they thought the soul of Metroid was gone forever and like they were raping Samus's corpse or something. <laughs> and like Metroid Prime now is Metroid. Like the Metroid 2D games right. are weird throwbacks now. <laughs> like People... Well, it depends on who you talk to, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, but generally, everyone who loves Metroid loves Metroid Prime. Like, and the first one especially was just insanely good. And I trust the developers, you know? And, right. like, it's not even weird that Samus isn't in this game. Because, like, they're doing the same thing now with Master Chief. Like, they have Halo games that don't even have Master Chief in them. And they have, like, a bunch of characters who are also Spartans. So like I think they're expanding the universe. Yeah, I think introducing people who are similar to Samus is a perfectly fine move. And when yeah. I when I saw the gameplay, I was like, "Oh, this is Metroid Prime on a DS, which we've experienced before." Mm -hmm. Hunters was okay. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of like I guess the I guess the 3DS XL has another uh, a double stick setup, so maybe I would like that a little better, but Right. Uh, I did. I did not like playing um, targeting with the stylus very much. Mm -hmm. Well, there's now a petition online to have this game canceled, which is completely yeah, ridiculous. Why do people even care that much? Like, <laughs> right. they're not going to get a Metroid game just because Federation Force gets canceled. Exactly. In fact, it's more than likely if Federation force got canceled or doesn't sell well that you will get no Metroid game. You spoiled brats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like. They can always make another Metroid game, you know? like. And it sounds like they are. If you read between the lines of all the quotes that I've seen, uh, there was a great one from Reggie today where he was like, you know what, play the game and then talk to me about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's Yeah, you were responding to that. And I was like, that's exactly right because we went through the same thing, like you said, with Metroid Prime. We went through the same thing with Wind Waker. Mm -hmm. It's like now these games are like amazing. The gold like, standard. Just, like, classics, right. So people just need to calm the hell down. I think Nintendo has a knack for creating games that no one asks for and then making you love them and demand more of them. Yeah. That's an excellent point. I agree. I didn't I didn't think I would even like Amiibos and then they came out with them and I was like the it's the next big thing and I didn't think I'd right. like Sigamaro three D World and I didn't think mm -hmm. I didn't even think I'd like the new Animal Crossing happy home designer, but as like more trailers come out and I'm seeing Ooh. them add more features, I'm now wanting it and I wasn't wanting it before. Thank you for that segue because the next that's the next <laughs> game I want to talk about because I love they, I'm a huge Animal Crossing fan. I will always talk about that. I really like those games and I've I've played like every other Animal Crossing game. I never did actually end up getting the 3DS one, which I hear is like the best one so far. That is the thing that every Animal Crossing should aspire to be. That's the best one. <laughs> now, Happy Home Designer is a departure from that, but it actually yeah. looks really great. Once I saw well again, I saw the trailer, I'm like, eh. 
once I saw the Treehouse Live where they played it for an extended period of time, I'm like, this is actually really cool. It, it feels more like, like, SimCity, kind of. Because, like, you'll get requests from villagers to, like, okay, you'll get decorate their house or whatever. But you can also decorate the town. You know, you you put buildings wherever you want. You can put schools or shops wherever you want. You can landmarks. You can even put tree. you know, the trees wherever you want. And it's not like Animal Crossing where you have to go around and do odd jobs. And you have to, like, plant trees and plant flowers and all this stuff. There's actually, it's like a grid, you know, like a, like a menu. And you just, like, it's like, okay, I want this cherry tree. It's going to go here. And it feels like the sims or sim city and it's yes it's different but it's it's actually a pretty substantial game like i did not expect it i thought it was gonna be like a little downloadable title and like oh you can decorate people's rooms tee hee hee how fun <laughs> that's what i thought it was gonna be first i thought it was gonna be a downloadable title that just worked with amiibo but they they fleshed it out since the last time they've shown it and i'm kind of wondering if this is like a, a testing grounds to see how much customization they should give players to the next Animal Crossing, because after Mayor, it's going to be hard to top that, being able to place houses. And they're going to have this whole Amiibo lying all out by the next time they're ready to release a real Animal Crossing. People are going to have these Amiibo cards and Amiibo figures. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good way to handle it. Like, you, you can't just get which villagers you want. you got to trade or buy them. And then you can put them in your game, maybe. Maybe that'd be a good way to meet people's needs of wanting to have the villagers they want, but not just giving it to them. Yeah, it's a little scary though. <laughs> Pay to it's almost prostitution, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet I bet you they'll just have it work like a normal game too, but you know, if you have a favorite villager you want, you can go and hunt down the amiibo card. I mean I'm already ready for that Tom Nook <laughs> and KK Slider amiibo. I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy every single card and I'm gonna buy every single amiibo. And I and I have a Korean friend which I'm gonna buy all the amiibos for too, because she loves Animal Crossing just as much what? as me. <laughs> but but they don't release these out in Korea. They don't have the, the Wii U there. Wow. So they miss out on a lot of good stuff. Huh. All right. Well, is anybody else excited for Yokai Watch? Uh it's it it's it's definitely targeted to kids. You know, it's it's different because we were younger when Pokemon debuted and everyone's comparing this to Pokemon, which I understand there are big differences, but it's it's kind of that kind of phenomenon in Japan right now. It's the Pokemon it's the Pokemon killer there. That's what I've heard. It's, it's been outselling and Yokai, basically that word means like spirits, like mm-hmm. everything has like a little spirit. And that's why you're capturing all these weird demons and monsters. And it's sort of the same essence as Pokemon. Even Pokemon has Yokai in it. Yeah. Which is yeah. why you've got that, you've got that sword Pokemon and Pokemon that is shaped after objects. It's kind of like inspired by Yokai more so than bugs, which right. is what the original inspiration was. Okay. I, I like that it's based in Japanese mythology in a lot of ways. I watched the gameplay and i'm not sure like how the battle system is weird yeah the battle system is weird the mini game to like find them seems tedious that remains to be seen but it's interesting that there are no random like they're all in their set spots it seems like mm-hmm. you know it's not like pokemon where it's, you might not ever encounter a certain pokemon well have you ever played nino kuni i'm borrowing it from a friend right now but i have not booted it up yet it seems, you know, from the outside, it seems like this kid's game and it's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. But when you play it up, it has this really deep storyline, deep gameplay, and just, I don't know, you'll get completely wrapped up in it. You won't expect what you get from Nino Kuni. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's made by the same team. Right. And I'm, I'm expecting Yokai Watch to be, you know, it, on the outside, it doesn't look that entertaining. But when you pick it up and get in, 
you're going to be addicted. You know, millions of Japanese children can't be wrong. <laughs> no. They always know the next trend. <laughs> right. Well, in Japan, though, it's a little bit different. I mean, it's a TV show. There's toys and, you know, games now. and We're going to have that, too. I believe Disney already bought the Disney already is doing the anime. And oh, I didn't hear that. I, it's just announced, like, today, I believe. I was looking at it. I was like, yes, I want the toys and the TV show to be popular here. I want Yokai Watch Phenomenon to catch on here. Well, that'll be an interesting partnership if Disney owns the, the show and the toys, but Nintendo's publishing the games or level yeah. five whoever well level five developed it nintendo's probably publishing it mm -hmm. yeah level five can do whatever they want they're on like other systems too it's just they're mainly like nintendo stuff they're so busy lately between this they got bravely second uh little battlers experience did you hear about that one no but they make brilliant games i i they've become one of my new favorite companies in the last few years yeah little battlers experience is like a um I mean, take the world of Pokemon again, sort of, and add uh, robot battling, and you can customize your robots with thousands of different parts. It's it's plus the addition. It's going to be a show on Nickelodeon. I mean, this is another one. I mean, we've gonna it's, it's going to explode like Pokemon did. Yeah, what I liked about that was the like looking at the combat and how it seemed like i mean you know they're they're little robots or whatever i guess but like the environments they're running around and like it feels like you're a, like a giant robot inside of a city doing battle with like another opponent and like firing energy blasts and like you can do combos and like juggle your opponent and stuff it it looked like it was really cool yeah i'm probably going to get both I mean, I'm going to want to get both <laughs> just because I know of the phenomenon that both of these series are in Japan. And, you know, I, I Japanese games are dying, I feel like. And they are. I want to support them. Like, everything's Western developers now, and it's gross. No offense, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a mix of both. <laughs> uh, yeah, E3, E3, it reflects at E3. You'll see that it's mostly Western developers nowadays, not mm -hmm. so much Japanese developers anymore. Like, the Kojima being fired is basically, like, makes me a bit sad because you are seeing the end of, like, all of these great games. Mm -hmm. Japanese games no longer being popular. Everyone wants these Western games. They want Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty, yeah. uh, Star Wars Battlefront, uh, Tomb Raider. They just want all these Americanized games. Which I'm not totally against, but I'm totally against them being the only games there are to play. Yeah, just not... There's not a variety anymore. <laughs> Those of us that grew up on Japanese games... Like, it's it's just a whole different feel. And to me, that's the feel of video games. You know, when I play Western games, sometimes I enjoy them, but it doesn't... It's not the same feeling as playing Mario or uh, uh, Metal Gear or whatever. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference between the way Eastern developers, Western developers, and even European developers approach game design. And you'll notice that if you play their games... Mm -hmm. I seem to really like games that come from France a lot. Like, I, I love Ubisoft Paris and Montreal. They make... What are some of the games they've put out? Prince of Persia? I th I believe they did. I believe they do, like, the Ubi Art. They developed the Ubi Art system for, like, Rayman and stuff. Okay. And, like, uh, uh, Zombie U. I really liked Zombie U. I really like that. It, it, the ratings it got wasn't deserved. It was a very great survival game. that I, ha I want to see more of that. Yeah. It's a shame that it didn't do well enough to get the, the sequel push through whatever I'll, I'll buy the ip off of them someday <laughs> well you might have competition it's gonna it, there was a rumor that it's coming to xbox one soon well it'd give me a reason to own an xbox one i have two of them but... you have two xbox ones for development oh yeah yeah 
Well, um, just so we don't run too long, Emrys, were there any other games that really stuck out to you that you want to talk about? No, I think we've covered all the big uh, bullet points that I saw. Okay. Like, there was more stuff on, like, Fire Emblem, which we're going to like it. We're going to play it. Everyone knows everything about it. Today they announced there's going to be same-sex marriages. I'm down with that. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Kevin, anything? I mean, Fire Emblem is really the only other thing that looked interesting to me. Did you see anything else that stuck out to you about it? Like, I didn't read a whole lot about it. No, um, just the fact that um, it seems a different, more mature story than yeah. what we're used to. Like, two di- two opposing sides, you know, for each version of it, mm-hmm. and neither one of them is necessarily evil, it seems, uh, which is... Which is unusual for that series because normally like they've had branching paths in the past before but mm-hmm. it's never been like it's it's been like you follow like you choose which character you want to follow not um like a moral decision or anything like you're two characters working on the same side and you're like okay we have two very important things we have to do you go do this i'll go do this and then the player's like oh well i want to go with this character mm-hmm. um it's never been a thing where you should choose a faction. So uh, I'm interested to see how they do it, and I hope it doesn't end up just being like, oh, but really, neither nation is, you know, like, either, even though neither nation is evil, like, it's they're being manipulated into fighting each other by this demon lord who is completely evil. Like, I, I, I'm, I'd be disappointed if it ends up just being that. It's a bit of a trope. Well, yeah, but it's what like every Fire Emblem game has been. Oh, really? <laughs> More or less. Like, 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 there's been like a you know like a an ancient evil that crops up, and I mean, you know, those games are good because the gameplay is good and the stories are fine, if not a bit cliche. Um, it's the characters that I end up liking. Yeah, yeah. Not not true. the story that not the story itself, but just like the characters who are in it. And, well, Fire Emblem Fates, which is the recently announced name for this game, uh, does have amiibo compatibility with the four or five amiibo that nobody can seem to get a hold of. That Robin is some hot shit. They need to make a a female Robin amiibo. Yeah. We're going to wrap this up here with question of the week. And the question of the week, we'll start with Christopher. What were your, like, games of show, favorite games from this year's E3? Fallout 4, pretty much was the game I was most excited to go there and see. Mm-hmm. Sadly, they didn't have a demo there. I was looking forward to trying it, but out of all the games, that was the one I was most excited for. It was Fallout 4 and Metal Gear Solid 5. Being able to see that, I got to sit through a one-hour presentation, and that was, the game is brilliant. Like this, It's very open world. That game is amazing. That's going to be one of the best games no, Konami puts out before they... It'll be the last game Konami puts out for consoles. (laughs) Yeah, before they screw everything up and go to mobile. It's a swan. It's the perfect swan song for Kojima. It's like his most brilliant work ever. So those were my two. That's why I was. I left E3, and that's why I was most excited about. And that's why I'm going to buy day one. Those are my PS. I'm I'm buying PS4, and those are the two games I'm getting. That's awesome. And what's great about both those games is they come out this year, which is unlikely for E3 announcements other than Nintendo. Yeah. Well, uh, Emrys, did you have any favorites from this year? Anything that stuck out to you? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was sort of announced before E3, so I don't know if it counts, but uh, the next XCOM game, XCOM 2, blew I didn't even hear about this. my mind. Oh, yeah. It's, it's based on Enemy Unknown. Um, mm-hmm. 
20 years after, and the concept of the game is that you lost the first game. Like you, That's awesome. You failed immediately at the first game, <laughs> is the premise of XCOM 2, and now aliens have taken over Earth, and you're playing a guerrilla force of a ragtag crew of mobile... Your, your home base, your HQ, is a mobile like fortress it's a it's a helicarrier basically and you do guerrilla like commando strikes on heavily fortified alien like installations and like your win condition for missions is getting the fuck out like you you don't complete every objective you don't kill every alien on the map you get in try to do what you can and then leave before you die that's a really cool approach. Yeah, I don't think a game has ever been done like that. Like I don't like every uh, kind of tactical squad-based um, turn-based strategy game has always been like reasonably well-equipped army versus a more or less balanced foe. Mm-hmm. And this game is just like, nope, <laughs> you are terrorists. <laughs> like there's five of you. And you're on a planet that's been overrun. Wow. I'm, like, beyond excited for this game. The first one was amazing. It was a really well-done game. Uh, It really captured the XCOM feel. Um, But I'm super excited for what they're doing with XCOM 2, and I'm saving every penny for it. Um, The other game that got me excited is the expansion for Pillars of Eternity, which is a super good game. The expansion looks fun based on Icewind Dale. It's a great game. And yeah. Kevin? Nothing that I'm like, you know, giddy over. Mm. Uh, Mario Maker, you know, seemed interesting, but nothing that is like a must have. Uh, Triforce Heroes, because I love Four Sword Adventures, but Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I don't know that I necessarily need to play another like multiplayer zelda like i well, hold you know on, though hold on though hold on though i've okay. been i've been very playfully calling this game three sword heroes <laughs> and there are three hosts to portable power podcast just saying just throwing it out there <laughs> that's true that is true all of my video game money is funneled into xcom 2 so Okay, we'll do a Kickstarter for you to but get that game. This episode does come out on my birthday, though, so I just have to throw it All right, in. somebody pre-order, <laughs> pre-order Emrys Triforce Heroes for his birthday. Um, yeah, anything else? Fire Emblem, but it's never a series that, like, I'm chomping at the bit to play. I'm just like, oh, it's out now. I guess I'll play it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's true. Uh, all right, well, for me... Um, Star Fox Zero. I think it looks great. I love Star Fox games. Um, I'm glad to hear that Christopher had a good time with it. I'm pretty excited about that, as well as uh, the Shin Megami Tensei Cross Fire Emblem game. Can you make heads or tails of that at all? I don't need to. It looks amazing. It, it's it's. <laughs> if you watch, there's a Treehouse Live. You can you can go. They archived it. You can go on YouTube and watch it, and you know you get a, you get a feel for the game. But it's super super weird. But, um, I mean, it's got a solid battle system. It's got incredible graphics. It's very it's, it's based around a bunch of Fire Emblem characters that have become pop stars in the current age. <laughs> and 
all the songs were written by like professional pop stars so it's just like i don't know it's like the weirdest freaking thing ever and it looks amazing do you know which pop stars um i don't i don't know my japanese pop stars well enough to tell to answer that but i'm sure the oh. information is available online <laughs> i'm gonna go look that up <laughs> yeah but then my my the two announcements that like literally like this is like meeting billy piper status <laughs> were Last Guardian for PS4 oh, because yeah. I thought that game was dead. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. that That's another game I'm excited for. I want to see that come out finally. Yeah, I loved Eco. I freaking absolutely love Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. And this game looks incredible. It looks more like Eco than Shadow of the Colossus, but it also looks like it's going to emotionally destroy every one of us. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that game was vaporware. I thought it was done yeah. for. No, yeah. the whole world did. And then Sony opens their press conference wow. with it. And they just they just dropped the mic. They yeah. could have left E3 and just been like, bam, just... it's coming out and here's what it looks like. Then, then Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh yeah, that was a bomb. Well, it was a trailer. It was just a CGI trailer, yeah. though. We haven't really seen what the game's going to look like, but my number one for E3, and I know, I know I'm a is. predictable bastard, is Shenmue 3. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that series of games, and I I, it, I, don't, I don't even know how to de- describe in words the emotion I feel to know that this game is finally going to come out. Like, <laughs> I've been waiting for this for 14 years, and um, it, it got funded the fastest i think anything ever that got funded on kickstarter it was funded in nine hours yeah now um i read the reddit ama with the creator and he said they need about 10 million to really deliver the full game so they've got about like six and a half million seven almost seven million to (laughs) to make at this point to make that happen but i'm still pretty optimistic about this like the game will come out at this point, but it may not be as as, as what it could have been if they don't get fully funded up to ten, like ten million. So, how much did you back it for? Um, I haven't yet. <laughs> oh. I plan to back it with um, purchasing it a retail copy at launch because I do not want a digital copy of this game, and that's avail- oh, okay. currently the only thing right. available through the Kickstarter. Yeah, that's fair. Well, the, yeah, they have a physical copy for the PC. It looks like. The PC version, correct. Right, yeah, right. but um, I plan to get a PS4 because I want uh, Last Guardian, now this game, yeah. and then No Man's Sky, and then mm-hmm. I will never need another console again because I'll play those three games until I'm <laughs> dead. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the plan, yeah. <laughs> um, but, man, Sony killed it this year. I think no one can, no one can argue that Sony just, like, their presentation was just, like, Bam, here's a game. Bam, here's a game. Bam, here's a game. Bam. <laughs> Everybody gets laid. We're going to get drunk. I love you. Here's some more games. Jesus I was busy back. getting drunk. I was busy getting drunk during that presentation. That was like my worst night at E3. Ooh. Oh, yeah. They get it's all these parties are open bar there and it was like it conflicted with uh the ETH, that pre- certain press conference, so I decided to ditch that since I went there to network. <laughs> if you go to E3, the real stories at the after parties not the actual event i'll remember that if we can ever get ourselves fun like enough money or whatever to go i'll hook you i'll hook you up i got to like every single private party and for one of them i was even the person that invited the people to the private party so did you actually have to like pay yourself though to go or did they pay for you or how did it work out 
If you qualify for industry pass, you don't got to pay for your E3 pass. Oh, cool. You just have to get there. Yep, you just have to get there, pay your hotel. I'd have to say my trip costed about $700. Mm. That's round trip, and then, you know, all the costs there and in my hotel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uber is really cheap there, too. Like, it only costs, like, five to seven bucks to pretty much get wherever you need to go. And then you get your uh, hotel shuttle that takes you to E3, too. Maybe next, I'll try to Uber from Sacramento to L.A. next year. <laughs> I, I never felt so rich. Now I'm back to my poor lifestyle. <laughs> Open bars, meeting all these famous people, getting like fa- fr- free like gourmet food, and now I'm back at home eating ramen, living in my dumpy, slummy apartment. The good news, though, the good news is that your friend came over, and you pretty much have an open bar again because you have so much rolling rock in your refrigerator. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Did I tell you about the Long Island tea thing? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, that was at that very first party. Um, I didn't know what Long Island tea was. I thought it was a nice alcohol tea. No, they put every single possible alcohol known to I'm naive. I'm very naive. <laughs> I was with this girl, and I just like, since it was open bar, we just, it was just polite to tip, and I gave her like 10 bucks. I was like, okay, so we're set for the night. You can get me whatever. And I had about four of those. <laughs> <laughs> we're glad you're alive. <laughs> so some some pre-drinks before then too so uh, yeah after that party i lost all my business cards like 250 50 bucks my medication oh. and it wasn't because someone stole them it's because i carry a bag with me and i guess i left it unzipped <laughs> so i just i was clumsy and lost them all it was a crazy party and then she even writes me in the morning i don't remember her at all like i get a message i'm like oh that, yeah i guess she, we had a good time partying last night i guess i don't recognize her in the picture or anything <laughs> <laughs> it was a crazy <laughs> night that's amazing. That's not me. That's out of my personality, but I I was so naive, too. Well, you've only learned more for next year. Yeah. I'm yeah, I that's why I tweet I'm not you, I'm not that naive anymore. No one's going to get me Long Island teas and trick me. That's a tricky name. <laughs> yeah. It sounds innocent if they don't know what's in it. They taste innocent, too. They do. It, they, they were do. tasty. I mm-hmm. loved them. We should do a yeah. Long Island tea episode. Oh, see how far we get uh, into it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just be drinking regular iced tea. I'll have like a Snapple over here. You'd be doing the entire episode after, yeah. as of about fifteen minutes in. I'll just, yeah, I'd probably have one and be done. I'll just start saying words and see how you guys respond. You, the only sound you will hear is my penis rubbing on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll use that as our theme song from now on. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, this is getting long, and it's pretty late for our East Coast buddies. So, Christopher, thank you so much for coming on this episode and sharing your experience and um, letting us be a, an outlet for you to announce two new projects. Yep. Yeah, it's good to yeah, talk to you again. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll be sure to pimp um, the hell out of uh, Ping on your behalf. No, you got to pimp my new game out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're a mobile we're a mobile uh, game podcast, so we won't reach. We the have same discussed audience. the possibility of Wii U being considered a mobile platform, considering <laughs> you could take it from the living room to the bathroom. So, and there'll be five local multiplayers in that. You can have four on your TV and one on the gamepad if you want. Nice. I haven't had any dip in frame rate or anything. The controller inputs working great. Awesome. It's very confusing. My code my code is very messy now. Trying to adapt all the controllers and all the inputs it's making my head explode but it's working (laughs) cool i'm really looking forward to this game 
And everyone there at home, thank you for listening to this special episode, and um, we'll see you in a month. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go over to portablepower.popularoutcast.com. Clear your cookies or use incognito mode. Do the shopping that you'd normally do. We'll get a small cut of whatever it is you spend at no additional cost to you. Help us get noticed. Go over to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to the Portable Power Podcast. Get in touch with us. Maybe you'd like to send us a game review request or your own answer to our question of the week. You can email us at portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com or use Facebook, facebook.com slash portablepowerpodcast. Or get in touch with us on Twitter at portablepowerfm. Drink responsibly and listen to the next episode of the Portable Power Podcast so you can witness what happens when people don't. <laughs>